0: Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Stream Fiends. I am Logan Roschke, the managing editor for the Daily Eastern News, and I am accompanied by Elizabeth Taylor. You are the campus reporter, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're doing uh, the podcast Stream Fiends. We're super excited because we, over Christmas or winter break, we asked you guys what you wanted to see, and most of you requested you. But Most of you requested the show (laughs) you, that I've actually had people get confused about that (laughs) because I've already told a bunch of people that we're doing it because I'm super excited. But I absolutely love this show. Um, I honestly I have literally rewatched the first season so many times. It's actually a little concerning, uh, but that means that we have a lot to talk about. Uh, I think you you've liked it, haven't you? Um, Yeah.
1: I watched the first season back when it was like everybody was talking about that one. And then I just re-watched five of the episodes today mm-hmm. because I'm great at deadlines all the time. Um, and it's like still holds up the second time. Oh, I'm yeah. Still,
0: 100%.
1: The acting is good. The plot is good. Um,
0: I really like the show. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to talk to you about this. Today, we're going to go through episodes one through five of the first season because we want to get to Season 2 as fast as possible, but we didn't want to just dive right into Season 2 without first talking about our thoughts on the first season. So, let's just get right into it. We're going to actually start this a little bit differently. If you've, seen our, if you've listened to our podcast before in the past, usually we start with the summaries, but those can take pretty long. And honestly, most of you guys have already seen the show if you're listening, so we're just going to dive right into some of our thoughts. We have a lot to cover though, so we're going to go with a quick overview. So here's kind of what I'm thinking right now. Something that has always really stuck out to me is the writing. I feel like the characters are very believable considering this is a kind of a subject that's kind of, it's really sensitive, I think, because we're talking about cyber stalking, just normal stalking and uh, murder and just generally awful things. Um, It all is very believable you know because sometimes if we're if you know a, a show is tackling issues like murder and stalking there's a lot of murmurs that you hear from people who have seen it that are like okay this would never happen in real life granted some of those complaints and criticisms hold up at with least this show, for the show um, yes
1: every little thing that happens it's like almost on accident everything's a coincidence and like there's this constant thing of like it seems like all the bad people attract other bad people. And in every room that is, you're ever in in the story, like half the people in there are just nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, <laughs> let's calm down. Not that many people kill people, you guys. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like there are definitely those, some of those criticisms I think are very substantiated. But like on that same note, I feel like the individual writing mm-hmm. for each character is very fluid and believable.
1: Also, hear me out. Yeah, it's entertaining.
0: Oh, so very I entertaining. don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, like I don't I'm not sure what it is, but sometimes I'll get more antsy about the believability with, you know, like in terms of, OK, not everybody kills that kind of mentality. Right. Sometimes I'm more um I'm, I'm more into that mentality. But for some reason in this show, it just it all makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. It all seems believable enough that it's not a huge complaint. I honestly think the writing is pretty fantastic and that writing kind of is um, just explaining as you're watching it how incredibly diverse and distinct distinguished and complicated these characters are so They may not make decisions that you like. Like, I remember I've talked to a friend about um, Beck, and, like, I absolutely love her character. Beck is played by Elizabeth Lael. She is the female lead in this show. For season one, anyway. For season one, yeah. I think that her acting is great, and I think part of what makes her character so interesting to me and believable to me is how complicated she is. And this friend that I talked to, she was like man, I really couldn't stand her. I thought she just made some awful decisions. I was like, well, that's human, you know? Like, I totally got that. And she she does make some horrible decisions, I to think.
1: Me, I think she's another one of those characters where, like, I like her on screen, but if I knew her in real life, I would not stand her. Because mm-hmm. she's so... She very much has a different personality around different people, and that's normal. But it's just, it's, like, extreme. And the way she talks, like... Online, all the posts that Joe's always reading, it's like, oh, my gosh, shut up. (coughs) But some of that I was about to segue into this is um, the really unique thing about this show is the point of view and the narrator, because it's narrated by, like, the villain of the story, this guy who is stalking a woman and, you know, uh, ends up killing multiple people. But it's mostly his narration. Sometimes you'll get some other characters talking, but for the most part, you're seeing it how he sees it.
0: Yeah, the perspective is almost exclusively Joe's. And Joe Goldberg, he is played by Penn Badgley, and he does a fantastic job too. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's mostly his narration, um, which is very interesting because you're right. There is. At least in these uh, first five episodes, I couldn't really remember. I couldn't count or, or I can't count how many times on my hand because it's so few. But like I couldn't remember any other time except for when uh, we get into Elizabeth Lael's character that's mm-hmm. Beck and, until we get her perspective just for like a tiny sliver. Yeah, it you was do, like a
1: 10 minute clip of where it was yeah. the narration and then it went back to him.
0: Yeah, so it's, it's obviously going to be kind of skewed. I mean, the narrator is the main character. That's why it's so
1: good. It's because it is skewed. And Mm -hmm. you have to, every single moment, you have to step back
0: and say, wait, is that true? Or is that how he's seeing it? Mm -hmm. Because obviously, it's skewed. It's biased. Mm -hmm. We're not getting the full picture. But all things considered, because he is so damn good at spying on people and stalking people, we actually do get a pretty broad picture of what's Mm -hmm. going on, which is crazy because that goes back to how is this even believable how is that possible when you have a narrator who's also a character they can't see those intimate details well how do you make that work you make him a stalker and and a good one the show doesn't always stick to him and his narration
1: there are clips Mm -hmm. that like he's not a part of at all and he's not speaking about as they're happening yeah so they do they do show us more than what he sees but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of times that his opinion really takes over um how you view a character
0: Mm -hmm, 100% so going back to this overview that we're doing what are like a few things like key takeaways that you have from just watching these five episodes so far
1: um something that I'm always going on about especially in movies is uniqueness because um it seems like in the film industry right now we're really in a rut where it's just sequels and remakes yeah um and this show it's like super popular and it's super popular for a reason Mm -hmm. because it is so unique and has such a different standpoint on this kind of story um, that you really like, you never know what's coming next. Everything is like genuinely entertaining because you don't feel like you're just watching
0: the same thing again. Absolutely. And Um, I think something else just kind of going off of what you were saying there, like uh, this is obviously like you've already seen this first season before we both have. Uh, We've also seen the second season. (laughs) (laughs) I've only seen that one once, but I I'm not kidding when I say I probably rewatched this season, this first season, uh, five going on six times now. And it's kind of one of those things where you don't, you don't notice as many weird, intricate small details you may have noticed before because you likely already have seen that. Um, that kind of goes back to the the first season's simplicity, I think. But on that same token, I think that if you're going, if you're revisiting it with a more analytical eye, there are some artistic things with like the cinematography um, and the framing of people in the show that you can kind of appreciate that you maybe didn't think about before. And even something like the soundtrack. I feel like people don't talk about soundtracks enough. Mm-hmm this, the soundtrack in this show, in this first season, and really in the show, honestly, but especially in this first season, I think it is so unique and interesting, you know, but that you might not notice that until, you know, you revisit it once more, at least, you know, so speaking of the soundtrack, I love, (laughs) I'm not a huge xylophone person, but like, There's a xylophone in the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and you can hear it. And it's kind of just playing in the background when you get like these beautiful views of the the skyscrapers of New York City. And there's just this not menacing, but eerie yet also comforting xylophone Mm -hmm. in the background, just kind of like ding, ding, ding in the background. And it's like, that's cool. You know, something's going to be different here. It's going to be, it just, for me, it kind of sets the scene a little bit. And that's accompanied by like, these beautiful shots of New York City. And I think that it's just a great segue into like, this weird kind of story that is just a little bit different than some of the other things that we've seen in recent months and years, honestly, like you were saying. In a more abstract level about
1: the soundtrack, um, I was noticing in the last, like maybe episodes four and five, um, there's a mix of music that I don't recognize but sounds like more modern pop. And mm-hmm. stuff that sounds more vintage. Yeah. And I feel like that could be a statement about the two main characters. Maybe that's a little heavy handed.
0: No, no, I, I see what you're saying. Anyway. Yeah, it's like
1: Especially in like the parties and stuff with ex friends, it's more pop music. And then when it's Joe, it tends to be more
0: vintage sounding music. Mhm. No and that makes sense because Joe's character is all about like these books are more worthy than most people I've met in my life. To he's the
1: level of being obnoxious. He it, only cares he, about
0: books. And honestly, like, if I put myself in Beck's shoes and I heard things like that, I wouldn't react the same way that she did. Mm-hmm. She saw that as almost like a comforting thing. To me, I thought that was entitled and egotistical and pretentious.
1: It drives me nuts. That's, the, like, the main character, obviously, he's evil, we get it but i just think he's annoying like he gets on these especially in season two which we'll get to he gets on these big things about how movies are stupid and books are better and oh these modern day people reading the wrong books and i'm like okay well maybe some other people weren't raised the way you were and maybe they have different taste in literature Hmm. I j- oh he drives me nuts
0: yeah and he's not just like a i mean he's obviously well read because he oh, yeah. manages a bookstore so there's gonna be like some classical literature, and then maybe some more contemporary stuff, and just a wide a range of genres. But like, he is very geared toward like the classic stuff. Like Frankenstein is something mm-hmm. he pulls out for Paco, which is the uh, um, his neighbor, who's yeah, like a he's young got boy, this
1: little kid, who's his neighbor. Um, yeah. the parents are always fighting, so he takes sort of takes care of this kid.
0: Yeah, that. in a way, like he'll give him his like meatball subs right. if he's feeling bad for him, and it's he'll not, like babysitting. But he's no, no, no. Yeah, so, <clears throat> but like he'll hand him books from time to time from his shop, mm-hmm. and sometimes he'll give him like the first editions of the book, which are worth a lot of money. And this which just, is
1: like, nine, so that's crazy, but respect, w- I guess. <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> and hey, Paco appreciates it. Right. He's not like normal kids. I feel like if I gave. A, just a normal eight-year-old a book they'd be like what am I supposed to do with this especially if it was classic literature I had a hard (laughs) time reading Frankenstein when I was in high school (laughs) (laughs) let alone uh, anyway so (laughs) but like (laughs) yeah but anyway so things like that he's more like when you say vintage that's like the perfect word to describe Mm -hmm. him I think because it's not just like reading which is already unfortunately kind of like a quote-unquote vintage thing to do today considering all the other entertainment options we have but he's even more laser focused on like the old stuff that people studied so he's an interesting character but Mm -hmm. I totally see where you're coming from with the whole egotistical pretentious stuff but um really quick before we get into like episode by episode I want to hear what you think about kind of because I saw after season two came out I saw so many memes of people like Saying, if your man can't text you back, think about Joe. He would literally kill for, it's almost like glorifying him. <laughs> um, <laughs> you guys couldn't see that, but Elizabeth literally winced when <laughs> I said that. Uh, tell me about how you feel about this whole, like, I, uh, adoration people have kind of grown for Joe, even though he's done some horrible things.
1: Um, I saw some very different memes that are funny, but that's a little weird. Uh, I remember after season one came out, the main actor forgot his name already pen pen, pen badgley actually he actually was like on social media like hey guys just a reminder my character is the worst mm. maybe don't like him yeah and i was actually going to comment on that um in association with frankenstein when he gives paco the the book he tells him he's like well frankenstein's a monster but it kind of looks like he's good because the book is from his point of view. Mm -hmm. But you have to remember that he's bad. But it's other characters that make him bad. It's open for interpretation. And I was like, that is literally the writers telling us how we're supposed to watch this show. Yeah, That is so straightforward. Like, hey, he is bad, but you're going to think he's good because you're seeing his justification.
0: Now, honestly, this is one of those situations I, I can sympathize and sometimes even empathize with characters we're not supposed to like. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, Elizabeth and I have talked about Joker on uh, our other... The Daily Eastern News' other entertainment podcast called Popcorn Talk. And there, we had a fun time talking about um, feeling bad for basically villains, you Mm -hmm. know? Because it was kind of like a, hey, explaining who this person is story. And it was just a lot of the things he went through were really tragic. Um, But in this situation, I... I don't know if it's because it, we could. The show had an advantage of like showing us multiple hours of this guy's character. When I say this guy, Joe, his character. I don't know if it was that or the writing or what, but I was always able to separate the good from the bad. Mm-hmm. I was always able to know for sure that this is not somebody I'm supposed to idolize. This is somebody that I cannot forgive for what he has done.
1: I absolutely agree. I just think it's interesting because. Um I've had this conversation with people before about bad people don't think they're bad people. They think they're good. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever thinks they're a bad person. So it's really interesting. Um, uh, he always justifies every single action he makes. Like, oh, this is for Beck. This is for you, Beck. Um, closer to the end of episode five when he thinks that he has killed her friend Peach. Or maybe this episode four. I don't know. It happened. Um, yeah. He... As he's running away, he's, like, panicking. He's like, I just killed her. It was an accident. It was an accident. She fell on a rock. It's fine. This is for Beck. Everything's going to be great now. And he's like, he is panicking, but he's also repeating, like, it's okay. It's good. It's good. And it kind of tells you, like, while he is bad, he still thinks all the time, well, it's okay. I did it for the right reason.
0: Mm-hmm. That's almost like... When you were saying, like, bad people don't think that they're bad, mm-hmm. they think they're good, and, like, they're doing things for good, bad things for good reasons, it made me think of, like, narcissistic personality disorder a little mm-hmm. bit, and I don't know if Joe fits that bill very much. I'd I don't know.
1: Maybe borderline, because he says borderline. Lot, like, I'm great, I'm the best boyfriend, or whatever.
0: Yeah, like, I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to do that for you. Like,
1: I'd say he is narcissistic, maybe not to the um, personality disorder level.
0: De- yeah, I don't think so either, but, like, that's kind of what I was getting at. Just a little bit there, mm. Be- but that's the thing too. Like he doesn't give empty promises. You know what I mean? Like if he says he's going to treat Beck right, he, he does. He's doing so. He d- yeah. he does do really nice things for her. But like it all like, takes place with this awful backdrop of like, oh yeah, she doesn't know this, but I've like killed people for mm-hmm. her. Well, for her, this is what he thinks it is. Right. But really, it's just him trying to control her life. Mm -hmm. From behind some curtain, basically. Which is very, it's obviously super manipulative. And it's something that only a sociopath or a psychopath could really do, I think. But, like, it's just, it's very complicated and interesting. But I was always able to separate myself from him, basically. Mm -hmm. So
1: I never sympathize with him because he's so, I don't know. Every moment that you think, oh, that was great. He did something good. He turns right around and ruins something. Mm-hmm. kills somebody, you know?
0: Yeah, like, I never felt bad for anything mm-hmm. bad that happened to him. I mean, he honestly was, like, tempting fate so many times. Oh my in this sh- <laughs> he tempts fate so many times. And that's and another interesting
1: thing uh, about the writing is everything, like, that he does, it's not necessarily super planned out. He doesn't have this grand master scheme in his head. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that would be entertaining if he did. Um, no, probably instead, not. Instead... He gets himself... He has a plan. His plans never work out. The plan goes wrong, but he still makes it out okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting is watching him, like, process each situation and try to, like, Mm -hmm. fix it on
0: on his feet. And maybe that's also why so many people I've talked to and so many... Like, when I rewatched it, I literally, the amount of, ugh, I would hear because, like, something stupid, something that just would never work in real life. Like, the whole shower scene.
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: Yeah, I literally get sick thinking about it because it's like, first of all, it's super. It would probably be the best thing to happen to Beck if she found him Mm -hmm. in the shower.
1: Well, maybe.
0: Maybe. I don't know. Unless he attacked her. I don't know. But. We'll get to this in a little bit here when we kind of go episode by episode, but like that is one of those moments where you're just like, okay, this is delving. I can only suspend my disbelief so far. It's one of those moments, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, come on, you were literally asking they to get caught.
1: Common, but there are those little moments also. Yes. Leave your shower curtain open so you don't get fungus. That's that bothered me <laughs> deeply for some reason. <laughs> really latched onto that. Anyway,
0: um, I was just thinking, like, dude, I never do that with my. She had her she obviously. She reached in
1: past the curtain, turned on the water, and I'm like, you don't,
0: you don't do that.
1: Aren't you worried about like the monsters or something? That's what I, I was gonna say.
0: Like, I never do that because I always get scared that like some scary monster's gonna be in there no, and I really open scared it up
1: because he was there in the, in the shell. I'm like, oh yeah, you
0: never, you never do that. So if you ever come home and you never, you know have your shower curtain covering your bathtub and then all of a sudden it's covered you know there's something we're on yeah you might want to uh, maybe not i don't know anyway <laughs> anyway so that's kind of our brief overview so far um is there anything else that you kind of either like really hated or really liked about the episodes before we kind of get into a more concentrated view of them
1: I think I just have specific things about the episodes that stood out to me.
0: Perfect. Then let's go ahead and just dive right in. So I'm not going to... We're not going to do like a full-fledged summary. We're just kind of going to go through what's happening in these episodes. So, of course, we're talking about episodes one through five of the first season of You. And the first episode, which is the pilot... Joe meets Beck at the bookstore and
1: instantly latches onto her.
0: Yes. Like he's super observant. That's something else that if you've already seen the show, which I'm assuming most of you are have, you will know that he's extremely observant. And when he's narrating the details he's seeing before him, he's so detailed in his description Mm -hmm. that it's almost fascinating.
1: But I was thinking, I didn't think about this the first time I watched it, but now How much was he projecting on her? Like, who he wanted her to be?
0: A lot, I think. Because
1: there's so many things, like... And as he's looking at her social media in this episode, too, he'd say, like, oh, well, your your social media is so shallow. And they'd find something else, and he'd be like, oh, it's all a facade. You're totally this real amazing person in real life. And it's like, you don't know that. No. You're just guessing, and that's what you want her to
0: be. You're just assuming that you're right, Mm -hmm. basically. But needless to say like there are some very specific details that you might not really even think about when you're just looking at somebody Mm -hmm. and maybe you don't think about that unless you're absolutely allured by somebody and like head over heels the first time you've seen someone which I've never felt but Mm -mm. I don't know how many people have but anyway like the jangling of the bracelets um he's like
1: that means she wants
0: my hair in the bun um, you you like a little attention Yeah, yeah that kind of thing like who thinks about that it's very interesting to listen mm-hmm. to it, you know. And there but that then again, it's like how much is is he projecting right. in that kind of description. He wants
1: her to be his perfect woman.
0: Mhm. So basically, he pretty much immediately starts being creepy like after Beck checks out a book and they have a little conversation, um it's obvious that there's some little like, you know, flirting going on. He finds her name from the credit card and uh <clears throat> And then basically looks her up on social media, and sees all these like pretty images and stuff, and that ties into more of his ideation or idea of who she is, like mm-hmm. oh, that's somebody who like has a, a facade that she puts on, but she's more complicated in real life, something like that. Um, gets her address, right, from being on social media and, and just, stalking.
1: Like, stares in her window. Yeah, from he the eventually street.
0: yes, he goes to her house or her he apartment. He spends a lot
1: of time this season doing that, just standing outside, like looking into her house and it's like she never has
0: her curtains closed ever
1: not even like one time
0: he even says geez have you never seen a horror movie before
1: i totally agreed with him on that i was like you're changing your clothes yeah curtain ma'am
0: that's another thing that i kind of like about his narration even though there is some projection on his part onto characters Mm -hmm. And there's some very judgy comments he makes too about people that are actually good characters, right. like ethan that's the uh, he's played by zach cherry um Ethan is his like coworker at the bookstore, mm-hmm. and like he's, he's like he's a nice little
1: guy he is and Joe he's is so, so nice mean to him.
0: yeah, in his mind he's like, "Oh, I wonder if this guy's a virgin yeah. of, it's like, dude, why don't you just chill out um he's why don't you check yourself for a he's second,
1: having a good time, and we don't need to bully him."
0: But anyway, <clears throat> that's a whole other segue. Yeah. Um, basically, he comes back to her house at, at night, and this is where we meet Benji. This is like her on again, off again lover, who is obviously comes from a privileged, wealthy mm-hmm. background, and he knows Joe that. Joe stares like, into him minute. too. He looks at him, oh, like yeah. one
1: time, and he's like, "Wow, that dude." is the worst and mm-hmm. you're like he kind of is but <laughs> oh yeah down. oh
0: yeah not as n- i mean not as bad as somebody who Kills well people. actually actually he technically did kill people remember yeah, one he, person yeah he did it in anyway but that's in a different episode, yep. anyway, anyway, episode
1: anyway one. <laughs>
0: yeah so he meets benji uh doesn't meet him but like sees him in the window and everything and that's when he's like yeah he's awful and hears him talking and Obviously this is somebody who doesn't care about Beck, but he's still like making love to her and everything, Mm -hmm. and it's just not a good situation. Eventually, Joe follows Beck to a poetry reading where she gets pretty buzzed, pretty drunk, and Benji doesn't show up even though she really wanted him to show up, and it's just not a good situation. She stumbles into the subway, falls on the tracks, almost gets killed. Thankfully, Joe was there at the right time, and he saves her, literally. And it's like this... Another thing I really like about the show is that it kind of plays with what is, you know, the stereotypical version of perfect or perfection.
1: And to, you can tell to her it's like uh, a romance movie moment as he pulls her out and they're they're laying there, you know, the train's rushing by and it's beautiful. And then she like throws up on him.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's It's like, yeah, you thought that this was what it is. It's obviously not. Things are not always as they appear. Don't judge a book by its cover. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I really like that about this. Uh, and then she like apologizes. Little did she know during this whole like wreckage of events, he took her phone. Mm-hmm. And so now he has unrestricted access to what's on her cloud, also which is let's everything. Talk
1: about how she doesn't have passwords on her phone or her laptop. Who in the modern day and age doesn't have a password on their phone? That I drives know. me nuts.
0: Even the most open book people I know have passwords on their phones. Yeah.
1: That's common sense.
0: You know, it, it doesn't make stupid, any sense. So no, she's yeah, not stupid.
1: That's, I don't know. That's weird to me. I,
0: this could go back to, like, his idea that she wants to secretly be known. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what if somebody opens up my phone and sees something almost uh, not Ooh, voyeuristic, yeah, uh, exhibitiony, y yeah. Like, exhibitiony. <laughs> anyway. And then at the end of the episode, basically, Joe does like the stupidest, well, it's not the stupidest thing. He basically entraps Benji via the stupidest way, because Benji's an idiot. He'll believe anything. He basically poses as a celebrity, gets him to uh, his bookstore where he has like this glass box.
1: Yeah, it's like a case to keep all the books in. Yeah. But he wonks Benji on the head and puts him in the box.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And that's where it ends. So, when I first watched this episode, I was like, okay. I didn't have very many expectations, because the whole way I found out about this show was just from overhearing people talking at school. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, it's like super good and stuff. And I was like, okay, this doesn't sound that great. And then I actually watched it, I was like, Mm -hmm. this is pretty interesting. This like a captive person moment. Very interesting. deeply
1: confused, and then the end happened, and I was like, okay, so maybe... Maybe I'll just keep watching. This Mm is pretty good.
0: Yeah. It it was very nice. Then episode two, basically, uh, Joe goes on his first date with Beck. And Beck doesn't realize that he has her phone, basically. Mm -hmm. She has a new one at this point. Um, He asks Benji for advice about how to deal with Beck and how to win her over. And Benji, of course, is, like, freaking out. Um, I also
1: think the interesting thing there was – in Joe's inner monologue, he says, well, obviously I'm not a killer. I don't want to kill Benji. Mm-hmm. But it would be so much easier if I was a killer. Yeah. That's and that what stood out to me because, like, well, turns out, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: That's another thing that kind of led me. Because, okay, I'm no psychologist. I don't know anything about psychology compared to somebody who's actually gone to school for it. But just from what I've read and what I've learned about psychology and sociology, um, psychopaths can separate themselves and they basically can have no emotions Mm -hmm. regarding the killings that they're responsible for. Whereas sociopaths is a little bit different. There is some remorse, I think.
1: I think the difference is that sociopaths Um, at least the way I learned it, Mm -hmm. I don't know, um, can have more interpersonal relationships with, like, people or at least, like, make themselves seem more friendly and approachable. And at least, I I know there's, like, debate about how to Mm -hmm. separate a psychopath and a a sociopath, but that kind of leads me to believe that he's not either. Really? Because he, um, like, there's a scene in these first five episodes where he's cleaning up a body and he, like, throws up. Because he's like, I cannot- Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's repulsed. Yeah, and that kind of stood out to me as like, well, if he was a psychopath, you know, is it just gross enough that he threw up or is he like horrified about the dead body and he threw up?
0: I think that it's a combination, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think that for one, he doesn't want to kill anybody. I, I do believe that about him, but he's mm-hmm. also... um, What's the word I'm looking for? He's out for his own best interests basically Mm -hmm. and of course what he thinks is the best interest of his love interest so you know i feel like he does obviously have human emotions and he does care about people i mean if he didn't why would he be doing why would he be going out of his way for paco you know what i mean
1: and so many of these things are like crimes of passion more than like straight up murder
0: but so it, like but it's also, yeah, and it's also murder for a specific point. It's not murder to get some kind of exhilaration from the murder. It's right. murder to serve as a means to an end. At least, in basically, his, in, his in his case, type. yeah, you know. So, I don't know. He, it's tricky. I think I'm, I'm almost leaning like, okay, he seems like a psychopath, but or sociopath, excuse me. But I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I kind of see it's very interesting. Also,
1: because he's a fictional character, so like, you know, <laughs> that yeah, changes things
0: but okay and then beck uh has dinner with her uh professor because she's a master student or not a master student a graduate student <laughs> working toward her master's and basically this professor is super creepy uh he touches her inappropriately we have a theme
1: of creepy professors in the shows that we're watching so far
0: and at one point in this season beck says i think i might just have like this weird thing where i attract men that are bad for me or men with serious issues and i'm like it's like one of those <laughs> moments where all we need is like Joe to look at the camera like it's an like an it's episode of office. The Office. Yeah. And then it's just like...
1: That's what I felt like doing. I was like, come on.
0: Yeah, okay. Come on. You're kind of rubbing it in a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, um, she, goes on di- she has a dinner date with her professor and it immediately pretty much is inappropriate. And she's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have sex with you. This is ridiculous. And he's like, okay, well, just be better at your writing. She's like, I need more time. And he basically says, I'm going to release you from this position, the TA position, because Mm -hmm. you're not um, performing to my standards. And Beck gets very upset. This is where she goes back to her apartment. And Joe has not literally broken in. He pretended to be her boyfriend. And he called an electrician or something because oh, he, he said he
1: reported a gas leak. He reported so a gas leak. He just managed to get in while the gas leak was being checked on.
0: Yeah, and he and he apparently puts on a good enough performance, and the guy's like, oh They'll yeah, there's like, nothing there. Oh,
1: I'm her boyfriend, and the guy's like, okay.
0: Okay, just tell your girlfriend everything's fine. Bye. And it's like, oh, my God. And that's where Joe, like, is really creepy. And, like, he steals a pair of her underwear, looks at her computer when she's gone. And then she shows up.
1: And that's when he's in the shower. And she, like, just reaches on by him and turns on the water. Yeah. No big deal.
0: Oh, actually, I'm getting – I'm sorry. I'm getting these events confused. She doesn't go home and – See she did, okay remember the shower scene? Yeah. It's not after the dinner date, it's before the dinner date. Mm-hmm. She realizes that she's going to have to make a decision.
1: It's after the dinner date when she calls him and it's like where are you at? Yes. And he's at the same restaurant she is, but he says, "Oh, I'll be there in 15
0: minutes." Mhm. So I I got messed up with the chronology. So basically Yeah, we
1: said these two switch around.
0: Yeah. Basically these dates are kind of switched around, but Beck shows up at her apartment and she gets very upset because she's like, mm-hmm. "I don't want to have to sleep with my professor to have housing basically Mm -hmm. remember that right and then she goes to the date and then he's straightforward
1: with her and is creepy Mm -hmm. and then she's like hey joe having a bad time let's go like can you come get me and we'll Mm -hmm. go on our own date
0: and then of course this is i think at least several days after that whole oh he almost got caught in her shower basically yeah scene yeah that literally made me want to vomit when I watched it yeah. because it was so anxiety inducing and so like come on this is ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, <clears throat> we're still on episode 2. <laughs> Basically Benji's still giving Joe advice about how to handle Beck and he's like saying, "She He's just
1: trying to get out." He's like, "I know mm-hmm. you want Beck, take her, whatever. I'll help you get the girl.
0: Just let me go." Mhm. And he's like saying some things that like don't align with Joe's perspective or idea of what Beck should be. Mm -hmm. And so he gets upset, and they go to a party. Joe and Beck go to a party, and that's when we first hear about Candace. Oh, yeah. So
1: we don't really know what has happened to Candace at this point, but we know that Joe and Candace were together, and something bad happened.
0: He says, I, she, I thought that we were a good match. She thought she'd be happier in Rome with another guy. And that was it. And so Beck is immediately kind of like, mm, I'm going to file that away and ask mm-hmm. him about it later. And Joe's, and his inner monologue is like, it's too soon, but you're going to have to hear about this eventually. And of course, the audience is left to pick up the pieces. What's going on? Did he kill her? What's going on there? We have no idea. Is she really in Rome? It's immediately like, ooh, scandal. Yeah. But we don't hear about it, honestly. We don't know the full picture until season two starts. So don't get your hopes up. Um, (laughs) And then basically...
1: Oh, the other thing that happened was that um, Benji was like, all right, I have a way that you can let me go. Here's this video of me and a frat party where we basically killed this dude. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got, you know, I'll give you the file. You've got blackmail on me. I've got blackmail on you. Let me go. And Joe doesn't let him go. He kills him. Yeah, poisoned his coffee
0: with with peanut oil. Well, poison, yeah. Yeah, he apologies. wanted to see if Benji was telling. Well, he also like wanted to kill him, you know. Like, but he wanted to see if Benji was also telling the truth because Benji tells lies, mm. and Joe like called him out on it I in his inner monologues. I that was his
1: justification for killing him. He was like,
0: Oh, he lawyer. died.
1: He died telling the truth, and you know, oh well, he shouldn't have lied about other things because then I would have believed him or whatever. And it's like, shut up, you just killed him
0: you just killed a person yeah yeah you, you enslaved somebody or entrapped them into mm-hmm. this giant glass container and then killed them shut up you have no room yeah. to tell us it's anything
1: ridiculous.
0: but yeah so that's the end of that episode it, it, this is only these episodes are about 40 minutes long yeah. episode and two was
1: a busy one after very, that it slowed down a bit but it was like oh my gosh
0: yeah, honestly, like I think the slowest episode was probably episode one, but I love—I've loved every episode so far. It's just a wild ride. Mm-hmm. Then on episode three, that's where Joe and Becca on another date. Things are going smoothly. He's
1: worried about getting rid of the body, but yes,
0: yeah. uh, and Beck now has another professor, and things are looking pretty good right now. Um, Joe really they realize a brief
1: fight at a about a mm, the furniture store. Well, right? I was gonna get to that. Yeah. I was gonna
0: get to that. So, Joe is still. Keep in mind, Joe is still stalking her, cyber stalking her, because he has her old phone, and she's not. She has. She she's has not tech savvy enough right now to realize that. Oh, right. it's still connected to the, the old one's Still connected to the so cloud. So basically,
1: he's just observing all of her texts and like social media interactions. He
0: literally has unrestricted access to mm-hmm. her personal, private life as well as her public life, kind of, mm-hmm. because he knows where she lives and everything. And now she's kind of dating him right but um, Joe realizes that he's still just a maybe when he's out stalking her because she's he overhears her talking to friends. He's like, I'm just a maybe. did I kill that person for nothing? And then basically he invites Beck to go shopping um, and he takes he tries following Benji's advice. Benji was kind of saying, yeah, she likes to be spanked. She she ne- she's yeah, a she's naughty a freak, girl. Like, yeah. yeah, she's a freak in bed. She wants that. She's not like the diamond in the rough that you think she is. She's just a freak. She needs and somebody to take care short, of her. It doesn't work out. She no. gets upset with him. Yeah, gets very upset. Um, and then he drops Beck off back at her house, and this is after he realizes that like he's kind of delaying taking the body out, mm-hmm. you know. And so he's like had the AC on super low and of course the system overloads and he has to go back and take care of it
1: the power goes out at the bookshop Mm
0: -hmm. and so he has he literally has benji's body in the back of his car Mm -hmm. and beck is like hey do you happen to have like a a mallet and do you know chinese hinting at like hey can you come over to my place and like help me fix my bed right because that's and why they went does, to the shopping. Because he's like,
1: yeah. I have to be the perfect man for her.
0: And keep in mind, Benji's body is still in the back's The those trunk. the same
1: mallet he hit Benji over the head with? Yes. That just occurred to me. Yes. Wow. The same one. Fun.
0: This guy, he... That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like he does have some... He obviously knows what he's doing. And he, I think he does have regrets. Mm-hmm. But not, like, human regrets. You know what he I mean? Doesn't
1: like. It doesn't, like, click with him quite right. It's not like, oh my gosh, like, that's a dead man that I just killed. It's like... Oh darn it. Maybe I shouldn't have killed them. These
0: happy memories I'm creating with the woman I love mm-hmm. involve items that I have used to kill off people whom she adored. Right. That doesn't uh, that it's has like to occur to him. It's
1: they're connected rather
0: than he's like, "Wow, I killed somebody." Mhm. Anyway, so that's pretty much that. Uh and then Peach Peach is uh played by Shea Mitchell. She is Beck's closest friend she goes into like this weird bladder infection thing and she's like i have to be taken to the hospital and so he tries to be a good boyfriend and drop them off at the hospital and then after that things just don't work very well between in that whole situation
1: is starting drama
0: yeah so she She wants back to to herself yeah and then joe finally burns the body right where he's once again tempted by fate, and like these two hikers or something find him, mm-hmm. and he just plays it off as oh it's a big bonfire. Yeah, and it's like mm, okey doke. And then after that, well, he obviously he doesn't get caught. And at there the is, end, um,
1: in this episode,
0: uh, he got Paco the little kid to go shopping
1: for him and get stuff to dip- dispose of the body with. Mm-hmm. And um, Paco's dad finds the shopping list. Or
0: his not his stepdad. Oh his. His, His mom's, mom's boyfriend. boyfriend, who's right. extremely abusive.
1: Um, but he finds it, and it's obviously like, um, what? Mm-hmm. And Joe's like, it's for my garden, and he, for some reason, has a garden there. Unless that was somebody else's garden, and he was like, oh, well, that's for burning roots from plants,
0: and or something like that, or, or it's like fire starter for the yeah, grill and was, stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Um, he plays it so off very well. Paco's um mom's boyfriend is rightly suspicious
0: but is also the worst so nobody listens to him Mm -hmm. but yeah that was before he burned the body but then like after in in the same episode but then after he burns the body he returns to beck and they have sex and it lasts like eight seconds yeah literally eight seconds and that's the end of the episode Yeah, And then that, <laughs> that, takes in, that takes us into episode four.
1: Uh, yeah, episode four like, picks up right there where they left off.
0: Which is very interesting because, like I said earlier during this podcast, we were talking about how most of this show is in Joe's perspective, but this time we get to hear Beck narrating for once. And we really don't get that in any other episodes, I, I don't much. think. I don't think we do because it's just in this episode, and then I think five, episode five, we get it mm-hmm. too. But... But she's, I don't know, she's just like,
1: oh no. It's mostly episode four. Yeah. She's like, oh no, that, you know. That was a horrible experience. That was so weird. Yeah. And then she gets a text and she's like, oh, thank God. So she goes to the bathroom to text and it's from the captain and he's asking stuff like, do you have the outfit? Do you know what room you're staying in this weekend? And she's just answering and she's like, yeah, I love you. And so Joe is reading the text in the other room going,
0: Oh, no. Does he have, like, a sugar? Yeah. She, does she have a sugar daddy? Like, like what
1: that. is this? Mm-hmm. So he's, like, freaked out. But she goes to this hotel. He follows her. And it's her dad.
0: Yeah, which is weird because, like... She said her dad was dead. Yeah. So Joe's trying to figure out what the hell's going on here. Basically, Joe's been using everything. Like, he's been following back. So he knows what she's doing. He basically follows her to like this weird, um, tra- is it Charles Dickens. Yeah. It's a Charles Dickens festival. And Beck's all dressed up with her, um, uh, her, f- well, Quote, her dad.
1: Victorian, unquote, outfit.
0: Yeah. She's like, she goes with her dad and, um, her dad's new wife who helped him through recovery right. because he was an addict. And, but also the new wife is awful. Oh my gosh. Like, so annoying. Super judgmental, super mm-hmm. condescending. If you thought Joe was bad, she... Mm, look, if looks could kill, mm-hmm. honestly. That's all I need to say. So that's fantastic acting on her part. Oh, yeah, I was about to say part. that. The actress killed <laughs> Awesome. So, but anyway, so it's just a really bad situation, and we're getting more of Beck's inner monologue here because there are some things that, like, uh, her dad's wife say that hurt her like mm-hmm. something like I, I remember one of the things that um, her mother or not her mother her stepmother is talking about to Beck is like oh it just shows you what a good Christian family mm-hmm. can do for somebody who's suffering with addiction and it's
1: like I cannot believe that you just said that if I was more Christian my dad wouldn't have left me
0: and that that stuff honestly it really kicks you in the gut mm-hmm. when you hear it on both on both sides like mm-hmm. it, it's harmful and hurtful and honestly underlying it is hate for the person and not just a lack of care for the daughter Mm -hmm. that, you know, you're supposed to be a role model for, you know, even though she is an adult, you're supposed to still care about her. And maybe you don't realize that when you say it, but like when Beck says, reflects on that in her inner monologue, it's like, Oh my gosh, that's where some of the writing really shines. I think Mm -hmm. because it literally slaps back on what, Is going on like what's happening in the dialogue so and basically Peach calls Beck and is like Joe is there because Peach did her own little investigation went to the bookstore found out that he wasn't there and And she's actually kind of figured out that Joe is stalking Beck mm -hmm. but then Beck runs into Joe and
1: he's like like, oh I just come here for the books and then he's like well okay honestly saw your social media was worried about how we left things off Mm -hmm. so then Beck's like oh so he's not a stalker he's just, you know, a nice guy. Mhm. Which is unfortunate obviously.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then basically like just to sum up the rest of this episode, like Joe ends up having lunch with um Beck's family and realizes what the dynamic is. And when Joe because tries Beck to like, s-
1: goes off
0: on her dad and her dad's wife. Yeah and Joe tries to comfort Beck afterward and she literally is basically like back off you, yeah, don't, know, you don't know you don't know me lashes out at him. yeah and we didn't mention this earlier but like can we also talk about how Joe for whatever reason he stole Peach's ozma of oz during the party because oh, he yeah. returns it in this episode he, i think
1: i don't understand why he did that he stole this like vintage collector book and he just like had it he let Paco read it, and I was like, "You couldn't find a different copy.
0: I don't think you needed the original one." But okay. I mean, it, that's another thing that boggled my mind. Like,
1: what that was so. Why would you take do. it? Yeah. What?
0: Obviously, and here's why. You could make an argument. Well, maybe she, maybe Peach wouldn't notice that her.
1: Her book was pro, gone. Like, priceless and her book was gone. evenly full bookshelves that were all like every single shelf was completely full of books, mm-hmm. you know, whatever.
0: And people could be like, "Oh, well this is the first time Joe meets, meets Peach." Um, but like <laughs> Peach was they were literally talking about the book together at the party. He just took it. It was and then so he takes weird. it after they're done talking. And it's like, obviously, Peach is going to be suspicious.
1: I think that was the only like moment of
0: poor writing that I know, really stood out to me in
1: these episodes was that there was no motivation for him to take that and then he just gave it back.
0: Maybe that was intended though think about lady. it because he he has to think that he's hot crap like he has to think that he can get a, he can get away with murder right so what what more is taking a book gonna do a book that you're enamored with
1: I just think I don't know if a, if a character's motivations aren't clear that's a big thing in acting mm-hmm. like if your motivations for reacting a certain way or you know moving a certain way aren't clear mm-hmm. then you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. And I think that was just, I didn't see his objective in taking that book and that bothers me because, okay, normally it wouldn't, but because everything else is so clear and like, well, you know, you might not know right away, but it gets explained later. It was like, why, why is that little blip in there
0: where it didn't really add up? I think it was definitely intentional because obviously Joe's actions are for the most part careful. And this is like the first time we see that he can be reckless in his decision-making. Because he, if you're gonna kill somebody, you have to plan meticulously, unless you don't care about getting caught by the authorities. And I think this is one of those situations where it was intentional that he had no clear motives to take this other than, oh, I'm a, I am run a bookstore and I like old books that are unique and uh, a lot of money. This was one of those situations where it was like, obviously, she's going to catch on, and it's going to come to bite him in the butt. I think that it was totally intentional. Does it make it any less frustrating to see such a poor decision executed on a main character's part? Absolutely not. (laughs) That's why I hate it, but at the same time, I totally see why it was done. Because as we'll talk about in the first season, in the second episode, uh, where we cover the first season of You, he does some other things that you know are not smart Mm -hmm. like they could totally get you caught
1: but again i always see a motivation because even if he's not doing it the right way i mean killing Benji was a stupid move he didn't need to do all that yeah um most of the people that he kills he didn't need to do all that like he's just Uh, oh yeah no he overreacts (laughs) completely in pretty much every situation
0: yeah he the only reason really
1: see what he's reacting to
0: yeah like when he kills people it's so that he can secure his place as being Beck's boyfriend that's his rationale right is it necessary though obviously not (laughs) no it's not necessary (laughs) you could just try it naturally try to win her over naturally but he's not like that he wants to be controlling he wants to have that control he wants to keep believing that he's smarter than everybody else and if he keeps getting away with crimes then he's going to believe that but I think that maybe the reason that happens and there's some other things in this season that happened later on, some mistakes he makes along the way during his like murderous path path. Um, maybe that's there for a reason. Maybe it's there to say he is definitely not perfect. In case he wanted more evidence that he's a horrible person, he's also stupid. <laughs> I don't know. I anyway, so that I didn't really like that part, but I understand why it was there. It it just always frustrates me whenever I see that part. And then episode five, the last one we're going to talk about today. This is when Joe basically gets Annika, who is Beck's friend, to post an unflattering picture of her and Peach. And Peach makes a burner account to blast Annika.
1: Also, at this point, I just want to throw this
0: out. Um, Beck and Joe are,
1: like, in a committed relationship. Yes. Like, yeah. He's uh, the first part of the episode, he talks about their morning routine. Like, every single morning we do the same stuff. Mm-hmm. So I just want to throw out that, like... It's serious now.
0: Yeah, by episode five, they're definitely in a committed relationship. Um, and the whole reason Joe is even talking to Annika is because he wants to do some investigating to find out what Peach's password is for her laptop because she never leaves without it and he wants to basically get dirt on her Mm -hmm. to show back or to do something or
1: or to at least understand what her deal is.
0: Something, yeah. Just to have more control of the situation. And he also picks up jogging, which makes me think that it's just to follow Peach. Just to follow yeah. Peach, but was it also to plan out something more? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, was he already thinking about killing her Yeah. when he starts jogging? Eventually, he gets Peach's laptop, and he realizes that Peach is literally obsessed with Beck. Like, in love obsessed. He has, like, she has old photos of Beck, like, almost naked when they were, like, younger. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, going up through current day, like, all these pictures of her. And this is... When he's going through these photos this is another just clear like oh my goodness he is a horrible disgusting creep he's like masturbating to these photos of a young beck Mm -hmm. meanwhile there's a party going on at the bookstore that he works at and it's all
1: he's like totally distracted by his fantasies about beck
0: yeah and basically this whole party was like Um, it was just orchestrated by Peach.
1: It was so that Beck could meet this agent that Peach wanted to hook her up with, but Peach is trying to sabotage Beck's career. Mm -hmm. And eventually... So the agent isn't actually
0: like... And Joe Joe hears about it, and he's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to root for your failure, but I want to tell you the truth at the same time. You know, so it's all just a ruse, and uh, Beck eventually finds out the hard way that this agent had no intentions of actually signing her up for any book deals. Mm -hmm. He just literally wanted to sleep with her as well, and it's really not. I feel I feel bad for Beck. I do, right, yeah, because it feels like every every man in her life is taking advantage of her, honestly, and using her. Mm-hmm. Even her dad, really. Yeah. How close does he want to get to to Beck again?
1: Like to some extent, like he was sending her money, and it seemed like he was trying to connect with her. But
0: was that really for the purpose of helping her out, or was it also? Mostly to help you feel better about yourself. Yeah, you know, because there are some things that her dad does, and some conversations that he omits, words he doesn't say, that lead me to believe that he doesn't have her best interest in mind. He has yeah. moved on, and Beck is kind of this we don't imperfect. Don't about him though, to be honest. We don't. He's, yeah. But it just it illustrates how bad of a situation Beck is in because mm-hmm. every man in her life is out has like ulterior motives, basically. Peach. Yeah. And also Peach. <laughs> Even, like, the women in her life. Because we learned
1: in this episode five that Peach, like, really, like, is obsessed with her almost to the level that Joe is. Mm-hmm. I think it's just more spread out. Like, she's been, like, her friend for a long time, so she doesn't feel the need to stalk her and stuff. But, mm-hmm. like, she's definitely obsessed with her.
0: Yeah. So. Well, basically... This and Joe did try to explain to Beck that like, hey, this agent doesn't actually want you. I overheard he him and Peach
1: basically screamed at her when he did it. So obviously she was like,
0: she was Screw upset. You,
1: Joe, stop being so mean to me.
0: And then he found out. And she found out, and it was right. bad. And so basically they make up after that. And Peach is upset because she tells Peach off after that. Mm-hmm. And Peach actually att- pretends to attempt suicide. Yeah. So, that's. Pretty manipulative and awful. Right. And Beck genuinely
1: thinks that Peach tried to commit suicide, and Joe knows that she didn't.
0: Yeah, it, she logged her own suicide in her diary. Right. As Joe was kind of and when he's looking at the at place, place. It, like
1: she goes, "Well, you can't prove that I didn't write everything down." So, like that pretty much confirms, like, oh, she didn't just stop recording. She genuinely only took a
0: few pills. It's just, it's really messed up. It just goes to show, like, how obsessive Mm -hmm. multiple people are with Beck. It's very odd, Mm -hmm. very strange, and I don't know what I would do if I was in her position. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of have to have some forgiveness with her, you know, because everybody's trying to manipulate her. Mm -hmm. And when everybody wants something from you, you're not allowed to think about what you want. You know what I mean? because everybody's more concerned about what they want out of you right so it's no wonder she doesn't know what she wants sometimes there are some many revelations she has you know where she like after some fights with joe she'll like come back and she'll be like hey i've realized this about myself after we fought
1: i don't i don't hate her as a character like she is not the worst yeah it's just some things that she does like she hangs out with people that obviously don't make her happy Mm -hmm. she is constantly trying to like I don't know. Like please everybody else and not just in the like doing favors but like being the way that they want her to be. And that's just I don't know.
0: She's like allowing people to She's control like and manipulate her. I
1: feel like she should be able to like process that. And it's just that just annoys me. I don't like I don't like seeing that on screen, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's I, I like it about her character. I think that it's very human to because everybody has people like that in their lives. You know, mm-hmm. like or everybody has had a person like that in their life somebody who is not good for them but they keep letting them tag along Mm -hmm. like maybe an old friend in this case peach you know yeah i mean it's human to have these feelings and they're very complicated we could go on and on for hours about how complicated her decisions are Mm -hmm. how complicated her character is for continuing to stay by these people who are not good for her
1: and to be fair she doesn't have an outside voice you know she doesn't have anybody else telling her
0: hey like you've got
1: other options, so she is on her own. Mm -hmm. So like, again, I don't hate her, it's just some of her decisions are like, oh, come on.
0: I feel that way too about some of her decisions, but that's what I love so much about her character because she seems so real because she makes those decisions, Mm -hmm. you know? But anyway, I digress. Um, After the pretend suicide, Peach recovers and she's back to jogging. And that's when Joe picks up the pace and literally tries to kill her. Was yep. a rock, yeah. And then that's when he's
1: like freaking out, like, "Well, it's fine. It was an accident.
0: It's okay. It was for Beck." And it's like, "Shut up!" It's like, "Yikes, dude! Yeah. You just killed somebody for all we know." And then he runs back to his apartment, gets beat up by Roy, which is Paco's mother's boyfriend, and then that's when he gets a call from Beck so soon after, like. Oh my gosh, Peach was attacked. And the first I'm going thing to the ER and he goes, She's not dead? Or is she alive? She's oh, yeah. alive. Yeah, sh- she's alive. like, She's alive? And I'm like Dude. At the ER, come on alive. I know you just tried to kill somebody. <laughs> you gotta be more convincing than that. Yeah. The first question is not she's alive, it's oh my god, is she okay? Yeah. That's that what you so ask. You don't like, say, oh. oh, she's alive question mark. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm not suspicious at all.
1: Some of that, I don't know. I see that at like the end of these episodes a lot, where they they'll have an interaction that's so, like, unrealistic because the car- the um, the writers are trying to like, oh, ooh suspense, <laughs> and it's like I would have gotten that anyway, buddy. Like, don't put that line in there. I would have. I would prefer that episode ended with. Uh, you know, I'm on the way to ER to see her and like just his shocked expression. And mm-hmm. then the episode ended. That kind of annoyed me.
0: Yeah. But all in all, I thought that was another good episode. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, there just, there are a few things that like, I'm not trying to say that this show is perfect by any means. Like that was another moment. Where I'm just like, Oh boy, here we go again. I think it's a great some show. More issues. But
1: there are some obnoxious little details that I'm like, you could work on that.
0: And it seems like they mostly have to do with Joe. Correct me if I'm wrong.
1: Mm, let's say I agree. It's
0: like his decisions that are so like ridiculous, it's so weird, and so outlandish, yeah. and like it's like, Lord have mercy. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like he's he's such an interesting character that, and everybody else is such an interesting character, and I think the right. writing is super good. So it's like you have to keep watching, even though really, Joe does we're really this stuff. Really with those things because everything else is so good, but mm-hmm. those little details that aren't
1: very good really stand out.
0: Absolutely, and. Like I said earlier, because you and I can both separate ourselves from Joe, Mm -hmm. we can be like, okay, sure, this guy—if he didn't kill other people and he didn't like stalk anybody and he didn't do all this illegal stuff—he'd probably be a pretty cool person. Right. But like, I don't care if he gets caught by the police. Actually, that'd be interesting.
1: A lot of girls like think he's attractive as an actor, and that affects that. That literally has an issue for me. Yes,
0: that has no effect on how I feel about him. His—he could look. He could look like the man of my dreams and I wouldn't care.
1: Because he's <laughs> killing people on yeah. screen.
0: Yeah, it's also, just. Uh. I would say
1: that I appreciate um, for all of the really horrific things that happen in the show, it's not very gory. Like, they'll no. show, like, brief shots that are, like, nasty. Mm-hmm. But, like, when he's disposing of bodies and stuff, you don't see very much of it. And just for yep. personal. That's, like, n- not
0: here nor there. But for personal taste, I like that. I think that that works to the show's advantage because. You know, when you're when you're telling a story and you imply things mm-hmm. and if you're not getting confused and you're you know, implying or uh inferring correctly, that's very good writing mm-hmm. at play. You know, because if and we saw usually, everything that happened yeah. all the time, like, oh, he's going to get his gas, he's going he's picking up the body, he's looking it up the stairs. No, if you only get flashes of those moments, or you don't see them at all, but things are still making sense, mm-hmm. that is a staple of good writing I
1: think, and good pacing. Yeah. And it's always clear what's happening. You always know, you're, yeah. never, you're never really confused. About you're never really in on. the dark, no. They might mislead you, but it always you know, gets explained.
0: You um, never feel like you're being betrayed. Right, Yeah.
1: and a lot of shows and movies go for a more gory effect I think maybe for shock value. Probably. But the thing is about the show is that it doesn't need that. It doesn't. There's plenty of shock value in just the actions. So like I said, I just appreciate for personal taste, because I can't can't sit and watch hours of television with like, gross stuff in it.
0: Yeah, I think, mm, again, it's just another staple of really good writing, I think. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you mentioned that. Actually, I didn't even think about that. Didn't even think about the goriness. I was
1: just thinking about that. was <laughs> getting ready to like get rid of Benji's
0: body, and I was like, "Oh,
1: is there something gross here?" And there wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, wow." And I these
0: and these conversations that we're having about gore versus what's implied, right? The implied goriness and disgustingness, that That's tra- funny for that, me. that that I travels like, I get it. that travels with us into season two because mm-hmm. we see that same thing where the most obscene actions are implied rather than shown and explained and it works very well so do we have any closing thoughts before we end this podcast episode
1: uh episodes one through five are really good i think there was i would say there's a little bit of issue with pacing like the last two episodes i felt like slowed down dramatically and i was like like still a lot happened mm-hmm. but i just felt like
0: i like they were a little bit slower got
1: dragged out like he was going on such a long thing about like our mornings and I make breakfast and this is the exact breakfast I make and I love it so much and I'm like uh that's like it's good or whatever but I just think it took too long on that kind of stuff.
0: I didn't really have any complaints. The only really the only complaints I've had, I, we've already kind of talked about. Yeah. And those are things where the you know, audience members are forced to suspend their disbelief a little bit more than they would like. Right. You know, and is that Sheer luck? Is it because of oh, he's just so lucky and you know, things and are playing out in his favor? Well. It's also the stuff. Yeah, I think that it's multiple things and you just kind of have to accept it. And it's probably easier to do that if you're like us where you can separate the good part of Joe from mm-hmm. the bad and still understand that he's a terrible person no matter what, you right. know? So even if he does do these great things, it's it's a good thing if he gets caught, it's a good thing right. if he gets hurt, you know, because he's a bad person. So really,
1: the show would be more boring if you got caught. So Yeah, so <laughs> that's
0: where we are right now. Yeah. But um, yeah, I really like it. I honestly love this season so much. And I'm really excited to talk about episodes 6 through 10. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, we're going to get into season 2 pretty soon here. And that's going to be really exciting, too. we we'll get a
1: little bit more detailed with that. We won't be going five episodes at a time.
0: Thank so. you for mentioning that. Yeah, yeah, when we do season 2, we're going to do two episodes of the show per episode single podcast episode and we'll probably go
1: back to shorter episodes as well
0: yes these obviously yeah these are they're two big ones because we have so much to talk about because we want to give it we want to do it justice you know Mm -hmm. so anyway thank you so much for listening we will see you guys next time on stream fiends